You're listening to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. This is a podcast about movies and how they're reviewed and sometimes being far from the shallow. I'm your co-host, Chris. Uh, with me, as always, is your co-host Jenna. I'm sorry for calling that cheesy. You, you, you're just gonna get say out. you're I'm, just gonna say Patty Jenkins's whole thing about cheesiness. In, in other news, I'm looking for a new co-host. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> One who respects my cheese. <laughs> anyway, I don't even know how to respond. We to just came from, and I say just, not really just, more like. At this point, an hour ago, because we had to stop to get Taco Bell. And eat our feelings. Um, we just more or less just came from A Star is Born. No, it's not 1954. It's 2018. No, it's we not saw 1978 <laughs> or 1937. It's 2018. Star is Born, starring Mr. Bradley Cooper and Mrs. Lady Gaga, I'm a.k.a. You, Stephanie Germato. I'm surprised you didn't say El Gaga. El Gaga. From the press tour when they yeah. do the little name plates. I would just get one printed that just says El Gaga, Gaga. for like just the heck of it because yeah. it's just great. But um, yes, yeah, so we saw A Star is Born. If you listened to our Venom episode, you probably knew that we were going to see it because we mentioned it a lot. We've mentioned it on the Twitter account a lot. This is such a weird weekend in movies, but it 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 beckoned our reasoning to like go to two movies in one weekend. Yeah, like we said, if you listen to the Venom you, one, you know we did this as a palate cleanser for Venom. It, it was a way of agreeing to go see Venom. It was like, well, at least we'll end on a high note, kind yeah. of, in one way or another. Um, and I'm glad that we saw both in this weekend. I'm glad that we didn't wait to see this one. Because I feel like if you had asked me like two years ago, it would be like, yeah, I'll go see the comic book movie first and then I'll see the other one like a week or two later. Yeah. But I'm glad that we like made the effort to see this in theaters. So we'll just say now, you should know at this point if you're a regular listener, Spoilers. this is the spoiler wall. Well, so here's the thing. Spoiler. I, also- I know, I know. There's been like 50 billion iterations of this movie, but still, there's the internet is shitty and full of idiots so this is your spoiler warning if you haven't seen it or don't care back out now but if you if you're listening to this and you're like i will eventually see this i would and and you haven't seen any of the others yeah if you're on the fence of seeing it if if this would be your first version of the movie that you're seeing i would say to not listen to this yet i would wait until you have actually seen it and go from there because otherwise there are plot points that we will give away that they don't ruin your enjoyment of the film but it kind of it's just going fresh yeah going in fresh as fresh as you can go but if you've seen any of the other iterations already you know what we're going to be talking about it's just going to have a little bit of a remix to it so just to start off so the tomato meter for this movie is certified fresh because unlike venom this screened at film festivals and has been able to get a lot more reviews a lot faster um so it's certified fresh at 91 percent there are 264 reviews counted with an average rating of 8 out of 10. There's 239 fresh reviews and 25 rotten. The consensus is, with appealing leads, deft direction, and an affecting love story, A Star is Born is a remake done right, and a reminder that some stories can be just as effective in the retelling. The audience score is 87% with an average rating of 4.4 out of 5 and an about 6,000 user ratings. It seems about right for opening weekends. For a not franchise movie, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I completely. Agree. I mean, it obviously has the star power for it all. Um, I mean, the 
Gaga group. The I, the little monsters came out there in full force this weekend. I was like, don't tell me you've forgotten the, the little monsters. The, the Venomites will claim... <laughs> the Venom heads. The Venom heads will claim conspiracy theory, but they just don't realize their movie is shit. So the little monsters uh, and uh, Copperheads... Cooperheads. Cooperheads. Cooperheads are dominating this weekend. <laughs> Rightfully so. It's on track. We saw it's on track for like a 42... 40 million, something like that. 40 million opening weekend. Which is really good for... Like, a as no, we a non-franchise. Earlier, a non-franchise, you know. just a standard drama. Even something that is a remake. like, But still having it be just a standard drama and getting this that kind of box office is really good. I think Warner Brothers just got done counting their crazy rich asian money and yeah. now they have to count this they're still counting like the matinee like yeah. <laughs> like even just looking at like the top box office like thing in the corner crazy rich asians is still on the list so like i, I think that speaks to a lot of things it's it's a fucking solid movie go back and listen to our episode about it yeah. it, it has staying power and the rest of the offerings at the theater suck ass right now <laughs> Sorry, Damn. the rest of film, but you're not bringing your A game in the last couple months with a few outliers. Yes. I'm just like, "Damn. Okay." Um, like even just looking at the top box office thing, half of these movies I already had forgotten about. I somehow forgot exactly. about The Predator. Like We all did. We all collectively decided to uh kind of shame it and drag it through yeah. the mud for yeah. its various uh, faults and, and then and then we forgot about it and moved on yes exactly but yeah this movie is outstanding so, so we'll i'll we'll i'll roll it back a bit i have not seen any of the previous iterations uh-huh. i have a passing familiarity of it being a thing that is remade every couple decades or so yeah. with the it people of the time. I, it's not even necessarily that. It's like this is a story that can be it's an, taken into a different context. Like, but we still as at a, the core. We as like a pop culture evolves so much in that span of time that it's like there's a there's a desire to remake this because there's something else that can be said. So I hadn't seen any of these either. It's funny seeing what people's awareness of this movie is because I was talking to my mom like this week and I was telling her that we were going to go see it. And she goes, oh, have you seen the original Barbara Streisand one? And I go, no. And also that's not the original. <laughs> like that's three remakes in at this point. Yeah, because the first was Judy Garland's. No, Judy Garland's it was, was the, the second. second. Oh, that's right. Because So first was... The 1937 one, which was not a musical, it was just about acting. Yeah. And that was Janet Gaynor and Frederick March. And then in 1954, it was Judy Garland and James Mason. And then in 76, it was Streisand and Chris Christopherson. So it's, but that's why when you're like, it's the it people, I'm like, was Chris Christopherson like the it guy? I mean, I mean in terms of like with Streisand, yeah. Yeah. There was, like, there was at least one big yeah, name it's attached like the, to it. The, the, yeah, the big like female name. Yeah. And then the male name is kind of a mixed bag in each of these. Yeah. In this case, it's both. Yes. And then in this case, you have the male lead being behind the camera and behind the computer. Yes. Clickety clackety typing it's the movie. Like, 
the the track of this movie of this remake of this movie getting made as is we have so discussed before off camera yes off mic so I'm like, yeah if, if people can see us right now then they have a problem yes um but no like there there's a vulture article which I'll link to in the discussion for this this episode that, that chronicles like the ten or so year like debacle of trying to get this remade so a previous iteration of this movie could have easily been directed by clint eastward starring either johnny depp or will smith and beyonce beyonce (laughs) and it was gonna focus on like hip-hop pop kind of like that because you know clint eastward is so that was what was befuddling to me i'm like i get all of those pieces but i do not want to hear what clint eastwood has to say about r&b music he has nothing good to say about it i can tell you that yeah it's interesting to see this movie's like a pokemon because it's interesting to see how the the evolution because it's like okay realistically because at some point in the chronological timeline of it bradley cooper was on to play like the male lead and then eastwood Mm. dropped out and so cooper's like i might as well just direct well east well cooper was I don't want to say like his like protege, but, but he kind of is. He he learned from him under There's, as shitty as or as problematic of a movie as American Sniper I could was. Go, I could go on a thirty minute rant of oh, American Sniper. I know you can, but like he probably learned <laughs> yeah. from his time there and got the directing bug. There are some elements of this movie that are kind of Eastwood esque, but done in a better way. I think I have. Yeah. I get bored watching Eastwood movies, and there was like small little elements of like just acting like just character scenes talking to each other that felt kind of similar well okay yeah so before we go should we just go into the reviews or do we have more to say no i agree okay (laughs) which one do we want to start with um so okay if you didn't listen to venom or the previous like 40 whatever episodes is we look at a movie's rotten tomatoes page and we find we only use the reviews that are pulled on that page so it's kind of runs the gambit between like major outlets and like some dude that's run a blog spot since like 1990 so we pick two reviews that go against our opinion so in this case we really like this movie so we're gonna talk about two of the negative reviews and one of the positive reviews just so we kind of get a, a, a as well-rounded as possible of no echo seeing, chamber yeah no echo chamber and kind of seeing what the discourses are on this movie yeah so I would say national review. Yeah, let's start off strong here. <laughs> the national so, review, a outlet that we go back to anytime we want to be really annoyed. <laughs> so usually, when if you're a loyal listener, you know that if we go to national review, there's usually a usual suspect from this outlet that I just have it out for, but we're, Armin. <laughs> but we're not going to crap on Armin because he also didn't write this review. This if re- he did, it would have talked about, like... Malcolm X or some other it would have yeah. it would have leapt some to, non-topical thing it would have leapt to some crazy places so this review comes from Kyle Smith the review starts off a naive Hollywood saga entirely devoid of charm or cynicism if there's one thing we all know about alcoholics it's that they're so honest full of hard-won insights and deeply sensitive they tend to have their bodies of big 10 quarterbacks they're notable for big, uh, for being kind to gays and black people. It's a pity they fall down once in a while, but overall, they're darn lovable. As for showbiz musicians, generous and welcoming, but for women who want to get ahead in the entertainment industry, a word of caution, heavy compromises must be made. You have to dye your hair and learn a few dance steps. 
Such are the lessons of the amazingly shallow, trite, and soapy fourth movie version of A Star is Born, which, co- which stars and is co-written and directed by Bradley Cooper, with maximum care taken to make you love Bradley Cooper. The doomed romance of a, fa- a failing man and a rising woman trying to make the relationship work is an unforgiving entertainment world so hokey, however, that it begs to be updated. I completely disagree <laughs> it... with his read uh, on the subject matter. Um, so basically, you have Ali Gaga's character who has this meteoric rise to stardom. And along the way, because he comments on the, oh, he she has to change her hair and learn dance steps. But that's... That is the physical manifestation of her compromising her identity identity and roots for her goals and dreams. Yeah, I, there could have been a little bit more of that, but I think we got enough of her kind of arc mm-hmm. and her growth. I think uh. one, one of my... I know. I know. I just got to one. I just got to one. One. All right. Well, go go ahead and read it. So this, he very clearly. Also, I didn't really super read this review before I picked it. I just like read the first paragraph and lost my mind, and then went with that. But going further on, it's just talking about how much he does not like Jackson Maine, and he says around him people indulge him with daytime TV cliches. It's a disease. It's not your fault. Please, you can choose not to drink. You can't choose not to get cancer. Fuck you. Like, dude, fuck you. These, <laughs> like, I don't know how he wants it handled. Like, great, cool, belittle addiction, which is actually a genuine disease. Like, yeah, yeah cool, you can choose not to drink, but not if it's a genuine addiction. Exactly. He's, like, this guy, he's missing the complete point, and I don't know Well, and then he says, Cooper he never wanted. explores how horrifying alcoholics can be, because like most actors directing themselves, he doesn't want to come off as too repellent or abusive. He never comes across as a truly hollowed-out soul that the previous versions of Norman Maine so memorably were, Cooper, who shot this film at the same age as Elvis Presley was when he died, looks nothing like end-stage Elvis, um, who turned down the lead in the 1976 version. Did not know that. Cool trivia. Um, He looks cool, regularly handsome, athletic. Even when he lashes out at his lady, it's only because she insulted his dad and is betraying her talents. I, okay. Like... Granted, okay, I haven't, I, I don't know, I can't really speak to the whole, I'm trying to think. If, if you made it where he was more abusive and you made the alcoholism of it all more, like, if you made him a clearer villain, this would not be a good movie. And no, it, those that, movies that is, have been made. That's a like, different movie. Those movies it's have been It's not about that. The point is... It's, it's about it's, one person's rise and one person's fall. Well, and it's about... And then how they... It's, a, it's more about the system failing the people that are involved in different ways and less that person being an evil person because honestly there's, there's nothing there, there's, there's very no, little that jackson does like there are moments where he is being shitty but it's not it's <sighs> see i think he he's confused he wants a clear villain in this movie when it doesn't need one it's yeah. Sure, Jackson does shitty things, but that doesn't. And inha- uh, yeah, no. Yeah. But I'm just gonna say yeah. that doesn't make him an evil person. Yeah, he's. They're all flawed characters. Like they're the, well rounded. The point is, is to highlight yeah. the, the the flaws of just the industry and how yeah. it takes. Like, there's a whole thing to be said about like how the entertainment industry as a whole, like 
kind of courts all of these people who are creative but also are deeply insecure and have some sort of anxiety or depression and or how... some other something and the the industry doesn't know how to handle that ever and so there's all of these different manifestations of it and like, see in the in the industry will either mold you into what they want or yeah. what they think you want or they'll or cast you aside they'll cast you aside yeah. which happens to both of the lead characters it like and i think like we'll get into it with the buzzfeed review because it its main focus is kind of like how this movie kind of depicts the industry and argues that it's a little bit dated but like in a good way but like i i think that there's still i think that this succeeds in what it shows us about the music industry and what it shows us about just like the individual struggles of both of Mm -hmm. them because just as someone who knows musicians obviously it's a case-by-case basis oh let me pick that up for you i just said i know musicians i'm not saying i know i'm just saying like like i know people who had record deals and it went completely not the way that they planned and the industry kind of like chewed them up and spat them out and then they had to recover from that and I also, as a person with depression and anxiety, I can still relate to like the story that's going on, even like in this heightened sort of environment. I take it back about there not being a, I'm air yeah. quoting villain. Uh-huh. It's the agent. Yeah, the character Simon Cowell. <laughs> yeah, the Simon Cowell. He is the the physical manifestation of. Granted, I know those people really exist, but he is yeah, the representation he, he is, of the he is industry. The thing, yeah, he's he's our touchstone to the modern day music industry, and so you get the worst qualities of that yeah. through him. And he is definitely the closest thing as a villain, and that's the whole point: is that you're not supposed to you're not supposed to hate the male lead of this movie, yeah. regardless of who's playing him. I think it's just kind of this it's this story about two troubled people who are in completely different points on an axis and mm. it just kind of goes from there. like the story it's oversimplifying it, yeah. it by saying the dude needs to be the villain you, you but, can get yeah. like 50 movies in the past decade that have been I like mean, shit, abusive dude. this whole basic plot point of yeah. two people meeting falling in love one on the rise one on yeah. the downfall this could be put into any kind of context yeah. it could be like two construction workers it could be two dishwashers and it still works because it's that whole similar it it it's adaptable uh, so going back to the review he kyle smith says her performance is stellar particularly in the early going when she seems fragile and uncertain and goes easy on the makeup and hair for a change but ally is also a thing of cliche innocent and eager and never sullied by the demands of the business. She also comes from one of those stereotypical working-class Italian families in which everyone talks about Frank Sinatra all the times. Her arc is simplistic as well. The main change that comes over her is cosmetic. As time goes on, she looks more and more like Lady Gaga. Jackson chides her for losing touch with her folky singer-songwriter roots, but that isn't much of a conflict. It's hard to fault Allie for abandoning a style that these days accounts for record sales in the tens when she can master the kind of Meritric Jesus <laughs> dance pop that makes you a global sensation. I doubt most viewers of this film will think, nah, getting gigs on SNL and the Grammys makes her a sellout. But like, okay, that's not the argument that it like no. I, I kind of you kind of get that gist when you're looking at the movie. You're like, ooh, cause there's this I don't know. When when she gets to that point where it's like, cool, she's on SNL, but you you get the kind of thing of like she is losing a part of what like because of the people that are around her like the agent and all of them there's kind of like she's she's losing the like 
voice thing. It's it's but, what Jackson but, says but to part, her because Jackson was losing his he, he, his his sway, not sway, but yeah. his. It kind of he was he wasn't on her shoulder like yeah. the little good angel because he was falling deeper into his alcoholism, alcoholism and addiction. Then, and so I will get to something that I genuinely love about this movie is how much agency Allie has in absolutely everything. Like right from the fucking get go, like, too. I will say there are people I follow on Twitter who shat on the trailer for this movie because it made it made Allie seem kind of like passive and passive and like I I'm ugly. You're not ugly. Okay, cool. Like. They, they they thought that the trailer kind of like oversimplified her anxieties mm-hmm. and her insecurities, but you see in the actual like in the actual movie, just from like her first fucking scene is like her dumping her boyfriend in the bathroom of a like, And then of her thirty work. minutes later she's punching a cop in a bar. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's she she very clearly has her own agency, her own personality. It, it's not just like I'm the shy person who can only express things through my songs. That's part of her identity, but she she still has this like larger, well-rounded confidence, just not on. Stage. Yeah, she could still have agency, but still have feelings of doubt and yeah, anxiety. That's what it is. Yeah, and, and like the fact that. Like I kept kind of paying attention, and like in the big moments of the movie, like in the the so, what I was just because like. No, you go on because you might touch on my one of my favorite the, moments. The, the first song. Okay, her first song. Oh, you mean like in the gay bar? I'm not. That's not what oh, I'm talking no, about. Oh okay. no. Okay. No, her. No. I was gonna say her first song on stage uh-huh. yeah. with Jackson. Shallow. Yeah. Was fucking. There's so there's her. First of all, she's a fantastic singer. Yeah. And then on top, there's so much subtlety in her acting of like small moments of being overwhelmed and just like like, on top of the world like little movements Bradley Cooper said when they filmed that scene that he forgot she was Lady Gaga because it's like this is someone who has sold out arenas for like five years now almost ten years and like you but she went on stage and sang that song and you could genuinely like he genuinely felt like she was terrified and had never done this before and you totally get that as an audience member it was fucking captured the way that there's like not a lot of cuts to where like it's not just the editing making you feel that way it's the performances making you feel Mm. that way there's a lot of like winding takes in this movie and various like there which i have a tangent but you say you're no i was gonna leapfrog off of that so there the first act or so Mm -hmm. had a lot of those kind of tracking Mm -hmm. shots which i love that choice and that i'd miss those in the the second half of the movie and the editing, I thought, was great. So, so can I tell you something that will drive you crazy? Go for it. The cinematographer on this is the same cinematographer as Venom. Moving on. <laughs> I I was I was reading a review of this last night, and it mentioned the cinematographer, and I was like, why is that name familiar? And then I looked him up on IMDb, and it says A Star Is Born and Venom, and I'm like, what? He also has done Iron Man two and like a ton of other stuff, what? music videos and like major movies as well. The editing bay was not kind to him for Venom. <laughs> Good they book. butchered it's his work. It's also just like different, completely different tones. Mm-hmm. So like this movie has just this like lushness to it and this like authenticity to it. And Venom's just fucking bleak. Like, um, but yeah. So, so I loved those tracking shots, though. I definitely. Agree I with did that. too. Um, because especially the the opening scene with Jackson and mm-hmm. you, 
you have the immersion of what it is like the overwhelming yes. loud feeling to mm-hmm. be on stage mm-hmm. and it's like first thing it's like oh that's really cool that's what it's like but then it's like oh that's what it's like for yeah. him all the time yeah and like that is what I think that's one of the many things that the plot of this movie really excels on and like the the capability of just conveying all of that of like the just the, overwhelmingness yeah. of it all also i we mentioned armand there is a suggested link in the corner of armand's own review of this movie that we will be reading that off mic later we will be so <laughs> kyle smith also says uh jackson may on the other hand uh jackson is just a sensitive soul who misses his dad that motivation is facile uh doesn't go deep enough doesn't actually show us anything about the rare field worlds he inhabits. Star is Born has little insight into where stars come from, and even less how they disappear. I disagree, but I think I, I would rather get into that in another review. Yeah, because <laughs> like it, basically, I I overall I think Kyle Smith misses just, the point. This this is not a movie for cynics. Like no, even though this movie has some cynical moments, it's not a movie for just people who want to like. I want a totally authentic or authentic like look at how bad the music industry can get. Like, yes, this gives you a stylized kind of idealistic, just standalone version of that. It's not this like end all be all sort of thing. Yeah, this is just one story of this particular industry. It's not. It's wholly not like, representative it's of, not like the Streisand version summarized like every musician in the 70s version yeah. of being a musician it's just it's a particular retelling of this particular story at this particular moment just, in time yeah just has the different elements of culture kind of influenced mm-hmm. around it so now we're gonna go to BuzzFeed which is our positive review we are still I think we've used this Alison Wilmore before. yeah, yeah I, really, I really like her um, it says, A Star is Born may not get pop music right, but it gets that it matters. Um, let's see. It, so Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga have remade A Star is Born as a tender, conflicted love story for the age of poptimism. Spoilers if you haven't caught it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So it's, I'm, I'm skipping a little bit, but it says, This movie has everything. A sweep off your feet romantic fantasy, an underdog makes good journey, a retching substance abuse drama, and an industry cautionary tale combined. The studio-maimed 1954 musical is a classic, and the new version, Doubters Be Damned, is an absolute banger. And even the iteration that really isn't good, the Streisand vehicle, manages to be mesmerizing. It's also kind of a fucked up fable, what with the whole dying to preserve your loved one's career thing. We'll get we'll put a pin in that but so the studio maimed thing apparently there apparently the 1954 version was three hours long that's and too long so it says it cost warner brothers five million dollars and it made disappointing ticket sales so 30 minutes of musical numbers and exposition were cut out probably at the order of the studio head jack warner they kept a studio a stereo soundtrack of the complete movie but the actual film parts were thrown away and so then like years and years later in 1983 people found that footage and then wow. they were like here it's the full cut of the movie because it was literally like the film they physically threw in the garbage and then they were able to find it <laughs> so there's your little anecdote about that version of the every movie. review we find has a new little factoid like a til yeah. yeah i know there's so much like i didn't really want to research like overly research all of the different iterations going mm. in but it is kind of interesting knowing the different things around each one 
so Allison says she she said some stuff about a particular scene about them in a parking lot. She says it's the magic of movies, sure, but also uh, of two people who are in that moment creatively simpatico, utterly enraptured with each other and with each other's talents. I I love that scene. I wish I wish there there were more of those smaller more slow down quiet scenes but see i think the whole point is that as the movie progresses those are far and few between because the whole point is that like jackson never gets a quiet moment until he meets Allie, and then it's like they both get swept up in this and then neither of them really get a quiet moment like the the quietest moment is towards the end of the movie where she smashes all of the posters which that Mm -hmm. that was like in the trailer and i was like i don't know the context of this and then seeing it in the movie i was just like fuck (laughs) me oh my god but I like so the the utterly enraptured with each other the the when she's performing at the gay bar his face is like I was just like emotional just his facial expression he was just so enamored with her yes. and just the look on his face the guy at the bar was like are you crying you crying it's okay <laughs> so also that guy is it was in the original cast of Hamilton I love him he is one of the many sons mm. to come out of Hamilton and I'm very happy he is in this big movie but yeah Anthony Ramos is great but yeah it's like just that the like the, his facial expression in that scene is just like swoon worthy kind mm. of like it totally fulfills there's so many little interactions between the two of them even as the plot line gets like sadder and sadder that are still just kind of like 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 it said like a sweep you off your feet kind of love story sort of thing i'm really glad that bradley has found a way to kind of take charge of his own career yeah and he's not stuck making 18 movies <laughs> and he's been able to go out do creatively whatever the hell he wants now yeah because he is this, very this, talented i was not really i i i feel like it's weird to say i slept on bradley cooper but like a, so i feel like there's so many of, i don't know I all didn't. of you all of you slept on bradley cooper i was there from oh, day yeah, one alias. as an alias fan <laughs> i have to also thank bradley cooper for bringing back two alias alum for the movie for A Star is Born. Uh, one being Greg Grunberg, his nice. driver. Nice. And Ron Rifkin, his uh, uh, guy who helps him at uh, rehab. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. cool. If Ron Rifkin, he was the overarching bad guy for alias. <laughs> Thank you for your alias trivia. There's my alias talk nice. and trivia. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, wow, I haven't seen him in anything since, like, I, I, like 2005. I was like, oh, Greg Gunberg, cool. He's just in that circle. Okay, but I didn't realize the alias, like, of it Yeah, they were, the, all of them were on alias together. I also, I can we talk about, like, this feels worth saying since our, our last episode talked so much about unintentional comedy. This movie is able to be genuinely funny. It was like, genuinely like even just as a serious fucked up drama there are so many moments that are like genuinely funny like greg gunberg eating cheetos <laughs> what comes to mind in that moment but see all of these moments are, are fucking character moments yeah. that like we experience moments like that we understand it's not a fucking as much as we have praised and uh, like these movies and go to them whenever they come out but the MCU has mm-hmm. become like the standard for comedy yeah. in film nowadays. And we've lost sight of what other comedy can be. 
like dramas can still have comedy in them. Yeah. It doesn't make them a comedy, but you could still laugh. I hate the whole anti-comedy argument that has been in discourse for the past six months. Of yeah. Like, no, it's just comedy can present itself in different ways. Um, so going further down in the review, it says, In 2018, this film is f- filtering those questions through the lens of pop music, which makes sense given that the movie stars a famous pop diva. But it also doesn't make sense because Cooper and his co-writers don't quite seem to get pop music. They try, though, or at least try to acknowledge their own lack of understanding. And A Star is Born may be a more interesting movie for it. It actively grapples with its own bemusement about the idea that pop stardom can have its own artistic legitimacy. And with the possibility that industry forces are a complex ecosystem that can be navigated instead of just being surrendered to or fought against. In one sense, A Star is Born has arrived over a decade late to that sort of cultural conversation about taking pop music seriously. La-di-da-di-da. Because um, there I, is an art... Okay, so there, like... There is a... Like, pop music can still have something to say. There is always a time and place for every form of art yeah. if it doesn't it's shit on people well, or, and it, yeah. it's this just in the hour or so since we got out of this movie it is making me reconsider i i used to be a huge m- music person who would like keep track of everything and now i've kind of gotten like old man crotchety about some stuff where i'm like kids these days i don't understand this pop music and then part of me is like i should not be as cynical because everyone like like it a uh, uh, a interesting percentage of like music artists that are around today are trying to like inject that own sort of like critique and like it was the same opinion th- and sort of everything the same thing probably happened when we were their age yeah like it happens like turn off that rock and roll what is that well, oh it's elvis that, oh what is that it's like, the beastie boys like, I, I admire the the musicians around today that are trying to like make something more out of the system that like like it like they said like navigating the system instead of just like allowing yourself to be surrendered to it yeah i i well, and then it is kind of a low blow to kind of just like it's like pop is bad well, or and it's, it's not, it's, it's, the, it's not the, saying that pop is bad it's just like cooper's character jackson looks i don't think he looks down on pop he looks down he, he's on, confused because it's, it's on, more just like i'm an outsider to this and, and that he that ally he he thinks that ally has lost sight of real the, not even of, real music but the like, core of what she started with and wanted to go from yeah. it being a singer songwriter yeah. with songs that had deep emotional ties to them and she's singing about butts and jeans now so like that there's this one bit of the review that touches on that exactly um let's see it says the butt song is the biggest mystery in a star is born is it supposed to be bad or good the way that the story is structured would suggest that it's meant to signal that ali has started making soulless synthetic music in order to secure the spotlight we watch her from the sidelines of the snl soundstage in a way that emphasizes the practice performance of it all a stark contrast to the way that the choreographer or the cinematographer's camera gets up and close and intimate when ali is on stage with jackson at the same time it's not that bad or that outlandish it's certainly not embarrassing as Jackson says, mystified by the idea that someone would ever aim to make a bop. That's the thing. Is It's not that he, like, looks down on it. He just doesn't really... He's not... It's not... It's not his circle. Yeah, he doesn't understand it, and so he has, like, this kind of naturally sort of cynical view, but it's more just kind of like an outsider perspective at yeah. the same time. Like, it... I mean, this... You could easily flip the script yeah. and have someone go from, like, pop 
to country. And it's like, yeah. what about the pop? It's That's like, honestly what happened with Gaga, though. Yeah. Because she went from, like, making more standard She went on a dive bar tour. Yeah, to, like, the dive bar tour. And it fit, but it was still just, like, something that people didn't entirely understand. Remember when Katy Perry started as a Christian artist? I remember that. Like, yeah. Like, once a month, and I hate myself for it. Um, But, no, like, it... The... I, I agree with what this review says about the whole thing of, like, that even if Cooper and the co-writers don't necessarily understand it, the way that they approach it still makes an interesting movie. Because there there have been other movies made that are kind of the modern pop diva sort of... Like, they're very yeah. A Star is Born-esque, but they're told in a different way. And so, I, I in a weird way, I appreciate this movie's, like, perspective with it, even if it's not, like, the definitive perspective. And, yeah. Uh, review says, Stardom has always been an artificial construct, a mass delusion in which we feel a deep connection with someone we, in fact, know very little about. The first, A Star is Born, is lightly satirical about this charade, with Norman selling Esther uh, to the studio by talking up how she has the sincerity and honestness that makes great actresses. Of course, once she's signed, her personal history is rewritten, press agent, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, so it's this whole kind of thing is like the industry will elite you and But it's also like the perform like the per the I'm trying to think of how to I'm not drunk and yet I can't find the words in this episode. Um just the amount of like performing and putting on a, a persona when you're on stage versus like off stage is very I, I think that's part of it. I think that's the well, whole they, I think that's why Jackson approaches well, it the way that he does because he to an extent like at the point that he is at the beginning of the movie he's just numb in his life overall and so there's very little difference between like who he is when he's off stage and who he is when he's on well and so then, they've telegraphed that yeah. too early on because like when they're having the conversation yeah. in the parking lot she's like oh i asked you a personal question and you just move on kind of thing but yeah. he never let anyone in yeah and he wasn't used to that. He it was something he had encountered before because he's just used to encountering he's encountering just used fan to, he's interaction. He's just used to putting up the wall and then and getting having, off stage and being shit faced so that you don't have to deal with anything. Because everyone he's encountered up to that point who hasn't been working for him yeah. has treated him as as Jackson made, not yeah. Jackson. Or Jack, yeah. Yeah. And like it's even the whole thing when like Granted, it is, like, straight white dude backstory, but, like, when you hear his backstory, it does kind of reflect, like, all of, like, it, it explains, it explains why any normal person would put a, that kind of guard up, but then being private as this public figure then adds this whole other layer to it, which, like, I, I can't remember if this review mentions it, but it's the discourse that I saw in other reviews about this were, were basically like they were positive but they argued like why is social media not a part of this movie and i think there's i would have loved that kind of aspect to it i would have hated it because <laughs> I, mean, I think there's something we're so fucking inundated with social media and it adds this you can almost make a completely different kind of stardom movie that just leans in more to the social Jackson media. Maine is not the kind of character who's like, I'm going to log on to Twitter now. Like, yes, you could have theoretically had that be an element yeah, of this no, movie. It would have been garbage. It would have been about a really it. awful... It, then you add this whole other layer to it, especially when you consider like the real world ramifications of how shitty social media has become. Like, it would have been this completely different movie, whereas this becomes more... 
like it treats that whole the the fandom and the whole outside of it all as just this like thing that's in the distance that Mm -hmm. has an impact on the characters but isn't like directly in their lives but if they were on their phones fucking tweeting for two-thirds of the movie it would have ruined that like you get the privacy and you get the like i said the performativity of it all where like on stage and off stage are not the same thing yeah which i i was impressed by and i thought that that was kind of an interesting like it it felt timeless in this weird way to go about that because that's clearly not necessarily how the music industry works now but like it worked in this heightened sort of sense someone argue the music industry doesn't work yeah um so the view that goes on to say Let's see. Um, star is born and is an elegy for cooper's character but also for the brand of hyper masculine rock deity he represents when he and ali are alone writing songs together they're on the same page it's when they go out into the world and uh, contend with the careers they want to have that they diverge and she would follow him down his path of self-destruction where substance abuse signals creative realness. The movie doesn't let his damage look romantic. Even in their first night together after a delirious round of post-show celebration, he turns to be too drunk to do anything more than pass out. And be put to bed like a child. I, I did like that aspect of it all. I liked that... The alcoholism was treated seriously. I knew going mm-hmm. in that like he gets very, very drunk and that he can play drunk very well. And so I was curious just how much of the movie would focus on that. I could like it's fat it's fascinating to see like for for this being a movie that he's directing, he does such a great job of like performing mm-hmm. and of like I'm gonna slur my speech when I need to, but then I'm gonna almost be a completely different character when I'm sober. Yeah. Like it's this interesting duality that I, even if he wasn't directing it, I still would have been like, wow. Like it's great job. it's it's subtle things that make it very convincing. Like you said with the shallow scene, where it's like the little mannerisms that Allie has. At a certain point, you completely forget, like very early on, and then it. Like, for the most of the movie kind of keeps track of this, of, like, you forget that these are two actors. You forget that these are two, like, A-list yeah. celebrities who we know, who we know, quote-unquote, we don't really know. But, like, they're, they're people who are in the public consciousness, and yet they get into these roles in a way that, like, doesn't feel forced. No. Like, it just kind of, like, towards... A certain point in the movie it feels so authentic and it feels like it's these mm. characters which is such a hard thing to do like i'm genuinely impressed that they were able because they're that. two big name actors it's not like two fresh faces where yeah the believability is easier but they they make it seem so effortless mm-hmm. that's the thing is it's it's amazing and like we knew that like Lady Gaga was such a good performer and so good at, like, transforming herself and stuff. And I know to an extent this is another level of that sort of, like, performing and taking on a different persona. But it still comes from such an authentic and interesting place. And I, like, I genuinely enjoyed it. I am excited to see, like, what else she does acting-wise because, like, this is insane. She could do whatever she wants, especially... After she is at least nominated. Oscar, Oscar nominee. At the very least nominated. Yeah. Well, and then let's see. Um, um, the rock pop divide in A Star is Born isn't entirely oh, gendered. I was just about to quote this line. Though that's a central part of it, and you never feel it more than in Jackson's lack of understanding as to why it isn't enough that he believes Ali is beautiful. 
because he isn't the one who's been denying her opportunities based on her looks. It's to be indifferent about being liked or about how you look are privileges that aren't often afforded to women, especially when they're starting out. That's exactly what it is. Is it's it's this that like there is that subtle through line in this movie of the gender inequality and the mm-hmm. gender like the different ways because honestly when in the first act he makes it sound like being famous or at least like being successful as a musician is super easy and it's like yeah. well yeah but you're a he's a straight dude. white dude yeah. like there's so much more that goes into it with anyone else who's not a straight white dude yeah yeah it let's see so, so like, this review talks about, like, the interesting... Because I, I was kind of, like, doing a tiny bit of research before we started. So the the Grammy scene is a thing that's a through line in all four of the movies. Okay. So in the first two, it's the Oscars. And apparently he, like, he gets up on the stage and, like, embarrasses her and then, like, accidentally slaps her. And then that becomes a whole big controversy. And then in the Streisand version, they make it the... Grammys. I don't know about the slapping thing. But then, like, this one, that's why I was glad I hadn't watched any of the other ones, because, like, there's something you so... You would have that expectation of, well, like, and what is he going to do? There's something so genuine about seeing, like, the couple different twists in these this movie, like, played out yeah. in the context of 2018. Because it's just, like... Because that's almost the thing. Going back to the social media of it all, there's almost... You, you feel that the most in the scene in the Grammys where yeah. he just, like, the whole embarrassing thing happens because in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, shit, Twitter is going to, like, completely tear exactly. this yeah. apart. So as the review says, Cooper's interpretation of the scene, which, like the 1976 version, takes place at the Grammys, excises the inadvertent violence and heaps all humiliation on Jackson. It's definitely done, but just as agonizing. Like, you really... You feel you, it. You, like, everyone, we were in an audience that was very full of people, and people just kind of went like, oh, no. Like, there was a visceral reaction to that mm-hmm. scene. Because you, you get the embarrassment on one level, but then you get the embarrassment of, like, oh, no, it's the Grammys. And so then, like, it, it's so effective, even though it's a scene that's been in every other version in one way or another. Like... A Star is Born is in some ways a story about a woman trying to make it in a world that is still all controlled at every access point by men. The irony of its tragic ending is that it sets up this terrible decision she has to make and then allows the man she loves to make it for her, for her own good. Every iteration of Stars Born is informed by the belief, the fear really, that public attention and infection are finite resources and that the creation of new celebrities require old ones to be discarded. In this new version, pop stars are coming into the forefront and pushing rock stars of the sort that Jackson represents out of the spotlight as they sing songs about their own being obsolete it's fine it's fine except it isn't because he has to die along with those old ways a sign that even in its fourth iteration the story is still one in which it's better to vanish entirely than stick around to see someone else reclaim the spotlight well and like like we'll talk like we'll talk about that whole thing now i think there's an added like talking about just the 2018 of it all even though it's not shown outright like, if a different director had made this movie, you would get, like, all of the news reports of, like, 
all I'm the, glad this we affection's did it. pouring in and like you would get all of that outside world but the only thing you the, get of the, that the way the only yeah. thing you get of it is his brother saying like they keep playing the songs now and it the young people mad. yeah the yeah. young people he's angry but then he that whole moment was great yeah. because he because he, he, he's saying at first i was angry that all the kids are playing his songs but then i realized like oh this is how this is his impact yeah that he's made yeah it like it that was that was why i was really glad i hadn't seen any of the other previous versions because mm-hmm. the suicide hit me like a ton of bricks not as much as the lady a couple rows behind us who yeah. viscerally sobbed and at that moment i was like oh fuck like you could I tell s- uh, you knew i knew it was kind of coming as soon as he put the stake down for the oh, dog i was there, like oh, there was no. a moment earlier on yeah. where i thought oh no the, the the i'm just gonna look at you one more time i was kind of like oh something bad no, is gonna happen here. it was a little before that yeah. even oh the, no uh it, where it was like oh maybe that'll happen it uh-huh. was when Allie had brought the notebook oh to him oh i hoped you would find it i yeah. hoped you would find it yeah and that to me yeah. said it's like <laughs> that, why did you do that to me i didn't i didn't even that, think of and, that in that moment it was like i hope you find it it's like he would hope he finds it that because, puts that whole scene which is a fucking great scene by it, the way that puts it all in a completely different context i I, like, I i read it as two different ways either yeah. he he had contemplated suicide mm-hmm. or he figured he would drink himself or yeah. od or something yeah i i'm i'm an optimist because i interpreted that scene as like a completely different level because it so it was the, the thing was that it was inside her songbook and the whole yeah. argument before was like are you writing these weird butt songs like uh, get back like not not telling her to get back into it but like but i think his, remember, his secret hope was like i hope that you get back more into writing these songs oh, and I speaking t- your truth and stuff and so I had then that. so then i think his hope was like eventually you'll fill the rest of the book and then get to that page where i left this there i had that interpretation too but in the back of my no, mind I, there I, was I completely the... did not see the suicide of it that early on i that totally worked though yeah. but i I just saw this i saw it from this like optimist sort of thing it was totally when he set down the giant steak <laughs> yeah for, the, the steak was for like... bread the cooper's dog so thank you for <laughs> as, for... as Peta congratulated him <laughs> for casting his own dog but like well i started to kind of get the gist when he when she leaves and it's like i just mm-hmm. wanted to look at you one more time, time which fucking i know that scene has been memed to death already but like knowing it in the context of the movie i'm yeah. just like stop with the memes <laughs> this hurts my heart now um because that and plays like so well and then like, everything after it is just so nicely done cooper's i don't i don't know how to phrase it but the way he frames the scenes yes i was just about to say that there's there's a way to shoot or there's a way to present a suicide scene or a just anything that is related to that storyline and to do it in a way that is completely tasteless and triggering and i think it's i again it makes me happy that lady gaga was involved with this movie i don't even know if this was necessarily like influenced by her decision but when you think about like the people who would be seeing this movie are lady gaga fans a lot of whom are like lgbt and probably like would be triggered by something Mm -hmm. like that like it's kind of nice even for that scene to be included to have it framed in this way that both is visually interesting and is not overtly triggering 
Yeah. Like, you don't get gratuitous awfulness of it all. You just get this these, like, subtle little moments. Like, the cowboy hat yeah. on the, the, the thing before that happens. Like, it's just all And you never things. see his face in that scene. The, yeah. You only see his face as he's closing the door. Yeah. <sighs> and I'm, I'm glad there was, like, restraint in not having a fucking... Gratuitous shot. Like, the, not, like, not even yeah. a gratuitous, but, like, a by the numbers oh we're at we're doing a funeral scene now yeah. no it's just we're gonna cut to alley yeah that that was also interesting because like i was just looking at the other versions before we started so two of in two of them the guy drowns like he he just like drowns himself in the pool or drowns mm-hmm. himself in the ocean and then in the streisand version christopherson's character like drives erratically and gets in a car accident so it's all these things that i'm sure they weren't presented in a gratuitous way because it's all earlier levels of storytelling yeah but like this was a more to have to have that element be part of the story it's this such was a more a, visceral this was personal a visceral personal and nuanced way of going about it in a way that like any other director would have milked like fucking crazy but with this it was like less is more and it hurts yeah, any so other, much. And any other director, I feel like, would have been, well, this is the modern version. Yeah. Let's see what the Twitter reaction That's was. That's exactly what like, I mean. No, I love that it's all just this thing in a, the background, but it's not... It, it's not an active part of yeah. the story, which was so refreshing. Let's see what the third review even says. So now it's off to the Seattle Weekly, a review from Robert Horton. Uh, he says, not the brightest star in the sky. Lady Gaga shines in the otherwise underwhelming A Star Is Born. There is one through line through all these reviews. At least everyone is giving Gaga, Gaga credit. credit. <laughs> yeah. It says the new update is almost or almost makes the Barbra Streisand version look like a coherent movie. And that, my friends, takes some doing. Blah, 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 blah. Um, you know A Star Is Born, fully ripened Hollywood melodrama, usually served with music, a well-established star, blah, 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 blah. It says, previous versions of this story have emphasized the woman's point of view, but not this one. We get a lot of Jackson Maine's charged feelings about his older brother, his disgust with the music business, and other angst that never fully gets articulated. Cooper is a fine actor, but he's so wrapped inside Jackson's coiled energy that you rarely get a look at the human being there, which leaves us with Lady Gaga, who becomes the main reason to see the film. Vertically challenged, but with... Why? Why? Why bring up her height? You're such a dude. Oh, my God. Like, uh, it... Let's see. I just... Like, uh, I... Uh, for three dudes writing this movie to an extent I, I can't believe I'm saying this because you would normally expect it to be the different I'm almost happier that it's like we're gonna focus more on the male character as as opposed to like just attempting to tell a female point of view and doing it wrong like you get Allie's point of view and you get her storyline but like having the like as he kind of argues like the the, the lens through the movie to kind of be Jackson mm-hmm. more often than Allie, I think is fine. Yeah. Like, because otherwise it paints Jackson more like a villain, going back to what we were saying with the first review. It does. It, if you're... If you're just getting, I don't know. He, it's it's all more nuanced than people want it to be, and so then yeah. they're trying to boil it down to like, oh, it's Bradley Cooper having an ego or blah blah blah. It's like no, this is just that version of the story. Yep. Like you're 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 trying to simplify it into something that it necessarily isn't. Uh, as a filmmaker, Cooper's leisurely approach builds no momentum. I disagree. And the non-musical scenes meander as the actors apparently improvising in close-up. 
This isn't storytelling as much as it is workshopped series of behaviors. The songs tend toward the generic, which means they show they, they should, should garner a few Oscar nominations. Okay, cynic. Let's see. The um, cast includes blah, blah, Andrew Dice Clay as Ellie's blah blah blah. Um, yeah, it's it's basically all the review. And then it says this is already an Oscar front runner if the touts are correct. I hope they're not correct. I'd like to believe Hollywood can do better than this lukewarm brew, but thank goodness for Gaga. <sighs> I, it's such an oversimplification of it all. I also think it is the, it, it's kind of what you were saying off mic before we started. If if the reviewers are older, or are old enough to remember they, the Streisand version, or just, or have this the is, sort of cynical outlook on the industry that is... Which is why do you think the millennial outlet we yeah. re- talked about had the positive... So much more, to, and, and so much more to tap into in a way that, like, legitimizes what the movie is saying, even though it critiques it here and there. Because it's a generational thing we have such a different not outlook but viewpoint and way of critiquing and viewing this Mm -hmm. movie as opposed to the very all the previous iterations more or less follow the same formula Mm -hmm. and i'm sure they build off each other but it's this at least like I'm so glad that this is the version that we got with yeah. this combination of people because this tells a story that, like you said, it's it's not for, like, the older people who don't really, like, get it. Like, if yeah. you go into it being like, I don't get it, then this movie isn't going to change your mind. But if you're, like, someone who, I don't know, it, it, it's going to resonate with different types of people, which is totally... That's the whole point of movies. Like, you're not yeah. going to have a fucking... Like I, <sighs> you can go back and watch a Streisand one, or literally any other like sappy movie. But yeah. even then, I'm sure the argument would be the same. If like a lot of these reviewers watch Titanic or whatever, it'd be like, oh, I don't get it. It's like you can just admit that this isn't like for you, and that it's okay that you're not resonating which, with it. Which is why this movie is remade every twenty years. Yeah, it's and in twenty years, I'd love to see the I've, script flipped and yeah. and have. I don't know the gender roles reversed, or have a gay couple like mm-hmm. two guys, oh, two God, girls that would be great. have yeah. POCs for a change. Maybe yeah, that would be also great. It would add another layer to it. Yeah, build on it. it. Have a different context. But that being said, this is like yes, this is an overly white movie. But like just that putting that aside, like like we said, the the way that this is all presented is still just like really good filmmaking and it's really good storytelling in a way that like I I was really excited by going into this and I think it delivered. Like the fact that you were this hyped about this movie when it's like a musical, like if you had told me two years ago even, that you would be this hyped about like Can we even qualify it as a musical though? Like granted I know a musical like okay, uses a, a musical uses song A concert film. To well, because I guess by the yeah definition, by the definition of it's a musical. A musical, but don't the songs progress the story? I mean, granted, the songs have a larger meaning in the context of the film itself yes. and represent stuff, but it doesn't. It's not like it's um, like it's not like this is my go-to example for a musical, Grease, uh-huh. where tell that, me more. That is, that is correct. Well, tell me more. The song is advancing the plot of tell me more. Yeah. It's not okay. like they sang shallow. You make you make a good point. I 
as a theater kid, I am aware that there are like different versions of a musical. Yeah. So then I mean, that was why I refer to it as a musical. It technically yeah, no, is more te- of just a concert film yeah. or like a drama that has music in it. But like, I just mean something like no, something defi- that's so music heavy is what I mean. Yeah. No, it definitely is a music hall. Like yeah. I'd be like if blockbusters were still around. Like I wonder where they would put this Dra- on the well probably drama. Yeah. But like realistically. There's like, on the Venn diagram, it, it's in the middle of drama and musical. Yeah, it and like there's not really enough of those on a big scale that are really adult oriented. I would say there's either yeah. like musical musicals or there's like remakes of Disney things that have music in them. Whereas yeah. like it's it's weirdly refreshing to see like movies that are like r-rated adult dramas that have this musical M- that element are to them wrapped up in mature themes and, and have real such good music. yeah like god the, i like the music i don't know why they're like oh it's painfully generic it's gonna get oscar nominations i cannot wait to see <laughs> el gaga perform shallow and at cooper. the oscars and cooper like the two of them will perform it together and it'll be fucking great and then hopefully they'll win because she didn't win a couple of years ago and she well you won. know statistically if they perform they're going to win the award after no, they perform <laughs> They perform every like they they have every nominee perform. Oh, they they it's started they started doing that to like because it's like out. oh shit we're telegraphing who's gonna win. Yeah, so they they made it where it was like we only nominate five people and we make all of them perform throughout the show. That's so right. that that's why. But like I'm excited for that and I hope that this gets like actual nominations in other categories. I have a feeling it will, but. It, it it's it'll be interesting to see what it gets it i'll go back to i don't know if we've mentioned this on mic but it's a conversation we've had i wish that instead of the popular film bullshit the oscars would just introduce a like best first film category they because really it should. would be fucking excellent this year like it would be so good because you could throw cooper into that yep. because it's technically his first film so it would be like him boots riley and like a bunch of other people that are making films for the first time. And that would be a very strong category. Whereas, like, Cooper might get a Best Director nomination, but there's no telling if he will win. Yeah. But it, it would be You know there'll be a push. Warner yeah. Brothers will definitely oh, make a push. without a doubt, and it'll get a lot of nominations, but it's still... I wish that... Because <sighs> for a first film, this is excellent. Like, yeah. this is very well done for... I'm sure there were a lot of, like, if you pulled the people at our showing tonight and said, hey, did you realize Bradley Cooper also directed this, they wouldn't believe you because it's, like, they'd think that it was some, like, seasoned veteran. Mm -hmm. But instead, it's just him learning through acting. But he... He's so good at what he does. He comes off... Like, same going back to, like, Boots Riley. Yeah. That was his first directorial debut. You would think the two of them... Would have, have been do- have been w- doing this forever. Yeah. Yeah, you would have thought there's like, oh, these guys have many. But it's also learning through different mediums. It's like yeah. learning through rap music and learning through acting. It's like they're And you could tell that's what- how you can tell that it's a fresh approach, is it's like you, I you you're not going the conventional way of like I'm gonna go to film school to be a director. You're you can, going through learning. You can tell their past experiences informed how yes. they made the decisions they made in yeah. the films they made. Well, and like because Cooper's stuff is so authentically like, there. Just even the behind the scenes stuff of like him wiping the makeup makeup off of Lady Gaga's face during their screen test and like all these mm-hmm. little like actory things. Like he apparently spent months like just talking in that lower octave voice so that it would be authentic when they actually filmed this because he knew like I don't want to break and like get back into my normal Bradley yeah. Cooper voice. So he like trained for months to get into the Sam Elliott like super deep 
voice tone thing which is such an actor thing to do and it fucking paid off it did it's like and that is part of the escapism of his character is like or the fact that he doesn't feel like bradley cooper playing a character it just feels like and it, it both of them just feel so authentically like people because of the drastically different ways so they're also presented. a part of it is lady gaga she packs stadiums yeah. every other night Bradley Cooper is not a rock star. No. But he fucking is <laughs> a so rock star. Good. He is very conv- he makes it look easy. Yeah. And he fucking owns it. Yeah. Even even in the moments where he's struggling because he's high or drunk, he's still, still he's still a rock star and he still yeah. has this swagger to him that's really interesting to watch. Yeah. And like <sighs> Like, he owns the stage, like that opening yeah. where he's like, it's this so is great. Cool. And when he's yeah. owning the stage with, in that whole little montage with Allie, yeah. it was like, he's fucking in it. He's yeah. in the zone. And I also, this is just a kind of related to that, I appreciate that the tinnitus was a part of, so like, yeah. that almost influences, because I had wondered, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's tragic, almost in like a Twilight Zone sort of way of like, I'm a musician, but my career is descending and my wife's is like getting better, but soon I might not be able to hear her because I have tinnitus that's what i thought was going to be a larger arc is uh, yeah, by the end he's gonna, gonna be deaf yeah yeah i thought that was going to be it too but because we hadn't seen the others and knew how it ended yeah. but that also in a way adds this whole layer to the suicide because it's like well i don't have like it's it's the like what's the point if i can't, can't hear, hear my music and hear the crowd yeah and my wife yeah like it's there's so many mm. little ways that this movie just takes like, well, it makes it's, it's it the argument that the critical consensus makes. It's like there's wrote, a reason to take a remake and like build upon it, and this is the really good example of like building upon something. He else. wrote a song with his wife, yeah, that he knew he could hear, and yeah. that he knew she would play <sighs> after he lost his hearing. Uh huh. Fuck. <sighs> I just this movie wrecked me in such like, a satisfying way. Like it'll I be, didn't it'll, even it'll be a little while before yeah. I rewatch it, but yes. I'm excited to just yes. to see yeah more of the nuances. I of think it. I will. I think I would be willing to watch this again in like a dollar theater. Like mm-hmm. I would be willing to rewatch it in a theater before it leaves yeah. because there's something about seeing it on the big screen that's and it was like so, mystifying, it, sort of. And the whole communal experience exactly. of it to yeah. add in to like it. The, the it's pe- like going to a concert. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And like I remember people who saw it at like festivals or like press screenings and were like people cheered after songs yeah. like they were at a rock show. Because you get that kind <clears throat> of energy as you're watching it. And I, I want to like experience that again and not just like feel it yeah watching it at home while i'm multitasking or something like and it's it's that whole thing of when you're in a theater you turn off your other senses and you're just like focusing on what yeah, you're seeing there's you kind nothing of get else immersed in it in a way that you can't really do if you're re-watching it elsewhere like i loved being immersed in this movie and it only made the ending hurt so much more but it was such a satisfying kind of angst and it was such a good like, everything yeah. was just so well done. I just am so impressed. So go watch this movie. Yeah. I almost... So it's weird. 
I because like so can we do our fan cast game? So I already kind of did it with you in the car on the yes, way back. Yes, but like realistically now, realistically looking at where things are going. So if if you're a new listener, what we like to do in our last segment is like fan cast the lead actors and the director into various comic book movie roles. As much as that doesn't really work for Cooper, there is part of me that's like I want to see you like play something in live action. Like you you've shown your you've showed your range in this movie yeah. in a way that I'm like. I want you. I want to see you like physically play a superhero and not just voice a raccoon for another yeah. five more movies. I don't know what that character would be. Me neither. But... It needs to be something meaty. Yeah. I know he has the chops. Oh. I almost. I don't know if he's too old for this, Mister Miracle. Almost. Fucking get him and Ava in a room. Like. He he could totally handle th- this movie proves that he could handle like King's level of Mr. Miracle yeah. who's like chronically depressed and performing in one way but acting in a completely different way. I'm so down for that. I would be very here for that. I that literally just came <laughs> but I really like it. Um so yeah, I would say that. I almost I'm trying to think of like who what he could direct. Part of me is just like, hey Marvel, get him in a room for volume three, since like you can't find a director for volume three. I that's almost too shallow for him. I know. After but... seeing this, it's like, no, I don't want him to waste his time oh, on I know. that. I know. I'm just trying to think of another I mean, he's an EP on Joker, so that's something. Give him some Elseworld. Yeah, give thing. him a black label movie that he can kinda go nuts with. Yeah. That would be really fun. I don't know what that would be, but give him some black label movie. It would really work. So I would say that. And then Gaga, I know you you said in the car on the way home, you were like, the first act of this movie is a really good Black Canary, Green Arrow origin story. And I would have been down with Lady Gaga as Black Canary. I'm fine that she didn't get cast, but I'm, I'm trying to, th- I was trying to think the whole movie of like what comic book role I would still want her to play. Something in Bradley Cooper's Black Label movie. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but also, like, if she had been Canary or Huntress in Birds, I would have been just, so happy. Just adapt Fletcher and Wu's run yeah. to a Black yes, Label movie. I agree. That is a good idea. Just do that Black Canary run. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. Just I do would, that. I would be here for that. But I'm just, I was just trying to think, like, realistically what she could be. Because this this show, because like every every fan cast for Lady Gaga is always like very has always been obvious. very superficial and obvious. Yeah. It's like Dazzler or like Emma Frost or just like what like platinum blonde character she can be. And so this shows her range in such a way that I'm like I want something more for her. Like Cersei. Yeah. I don't know. That would work. I would just love to see her under the. The Direction directing of Patty, of Patty Jenkins. Jenkins. Yes, because she and Gal would be really fun to see together. Yeah. I totally, that's a good fan cast. I really like that. Or, yeah, that's all Cersei I can think of. would be fun, because she would be able to get into, like, the... I, I would really love to see her be able to, like, just chew the fucking scenery. Exactly. Like, we've seen her play serious roles now. Yeah. I haven't seen her on American Horror Story, but, but I want... But she does, she chews the scenery to hell in that, Oh, that's what I'm... But I want to see her do it on a larger scale. And but it... also still bring depth to a character. Yeah. That would be fun. She would look cool with her. Something hair. like that, yeah. Cersei would be cool. Yeah. Like, hey, Patty... Yeah, I know you're writing Wonder Woman 3 because 1984 is going to do well. So, yeah. like, have that in mind, please. <sighs> now I want that. Now I'm going to be annoyed <laughs> if that doesn't happen because I like this so much. God. 
Okay. So send us your fan casts. At tomatotomatopod at gmail.com or on our Twitter at tomatotomatopod. If you want to reach any either of us individually, you can find us at... The Chris Fido. And hey, it's Jenna Lynn. Um, so this is episode 49 in our podcast tenure. Um, we have something kind of special planned for our 50th. I don't necessarily... Do we want to give it away or do we want to just keep people... No, we'll, we've we've led them on long enough. You won't have to go to a theater to enjoy this movie. I would if, you, if you want a hint for our big yeah. 50th episode, go, go back to episode, to episode one. Yes, that is a good hint. So, so we will see you next week. Or just check out our Twitter next week. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be live tweeting to prepare anyway. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. Yes. Subscribe, leave us a review, do all of that stuff. Um, until next time, keep watching movies. Except Venom. And Bright. And Bright. Oh, we're recording? Oh, so have we started? Yes, we've started. I think we've started. Jesus Christ. I still have some symbiote. Now I have to put that at the end of the episode, Dan. Now we do. You were too clever. Now's our tag. There we go.